0: discussing chapter 10, Divine Glories. And as we have learned so far, Bhagavan said that one who is constantly worshipping me with love, I give them Buddhi Yoga. I give them this Buddhi to recognize who he is or who she is. So now the Arjuna's question was, Keshu Keshu Cha Bhavesu Chintyo Asi Bhagavan Maya. I cannot conceptualize you, I can't constantly keep thinking about you if I don't know in what form I should be thinking about you. So in response to that request, there is a specific request by Arjuna that it is not possible for me to think about you in this almighty, all-pervading self, which is the source of all beings and the resting place of all beings. That's just not for me. Basically, he's representing our own condition. After intellectually appreciating the fact that there cannot be anything but one singularity, for us to conceptualize this is very difficult. So he's asking for help. Give me some avalamban, something I can hang on to, hold on to, and then worship you in that form. That's why we have Puja. In any religion, whether you believe in sakara or nirakara, you have to some symbol, some symbol where you can invoke the divinity in that symbol. So here Arjuna says, if I have to think about you constantly, then give me some pointers in what form I should be thinking about you. In response to that request, Bhagwan gives him 75 pointers in this verses from 21 to 38 so far we have seen up to 30 in the next three verses starting from 29 we'll see another 12 every verse is about four so bhagwan started with the vedic symbolism vedic gods vedic references what is bhagwan trying to do is give arjuna pointers that every aspect of your life you can find divinity from the sacred to mundane you can find divinity in it because this is nothing but my own manifestation manifestation of the same reality you just need to have an eye to see the divinity in it and for you to recognize it it is easier if you find the best among the best. That's where it is easier for us to see the excellence, the divinity. I was overhearing when Meena was playing a little video from Sonu Nigam. And Sonu Nigam was basically telling people that how I learned how to sing from all these great masters like Mamad Rafi and Lata Mangeshkar and mannade just listening to them, That how they were using their voice. He said that Mamad Rafi was... God's gift to singing because you cannot learn that type of singing in your lifetime. You have to be born with it. Then in the end, he says that was a mere expression of divinity. Then when you hear Muhammad Rafi singing, so from his perspective, when he sees the excellence in singing, he said that's direct expression of divinity that cannot be achieved by just practice it has to be expressed through a right instrument. In our world we can find divinity where we see excellence. Bhagwan gives Arjuna examples from his world and as we have seen he starts at the Vedic references then move on to the Puranic references and then to his mundane day-to-day references. Now Puranas are basically nothing but history mixed with Fantastic stories to explain very abstract concepts of Vedic philosophy. So, we have all kinds of stories and all kinds of symbolism in our Puranas. We have looked at the examples of sun and moon and, and then up to the snakes, sarpas. Now, this verse says, Anantaha Cha Asmi Naganam among the nag, among the Naga serpents, I am Ananta, infinite, which is obviously referring to the Shesha Naga in our iconic image of Vishnu lying on a serpent bed in a Kshira samudra in the milky ocean. maji is sitting on a lotus coming out of the nevel and Lakshmi serving him. So this Naga it's called Shesha It's a thousand hooded snake. Also called Adi Shesha. Shesha Shesha in Sanskrit is that which remains. The mathematics in Gujarati at least. Now 9 divided by 2. 2 times 4 is 8. 1 is Shesha is remaining. What remains is Shesha. Adi Shesha. That remains infinitely. That always remains after you destroy everything that which remains is Adi-Shesha. So Adi-Shesha, this thousand-hooded snake, represents that remains after I am not there. When this body will not be there, according to our Sastra, something will remain. What will remain is my mind and intellect. That entity will still remain as an entity. That entity has Thousand mouths to feed. My mind has thousand demands at the same time. I want to watch TV, read book, look at my message on my iPhone, all of them at the same time. Because I'm not satisfied with one activity. I want to be tall enough, I want to be powerful enough, I'm smart enough, I'm handsome enough. So something which cannot be satisfied is our mind because it is a thousand mouths. So this symbolism is used in this iconic image, this thousand-hooded snake, which Vishnu is resting on him. Other way people see it is, the thousand-hooded snake, when it is looking at the Vishnu, it is completely in control. When it is not looking at Vishnu, it will be outwardly looking to satisfy its own desires. And Swamiji explained here that this basically represents how the creation functions. The Almighty resting on this snake which is Rajas and Tamas. Unless there is Maya, unless there is egocentric desire, the creation does not come into existence. Brahma cannot create anything if there is no desire to create. I cannot create anything if I don't have a desire in my mind to get something, to do something, to create something. So the infinite resting on this snake, which is representing egocentric desires, in the Kshira Samudra, which represents Sattva, the pure intellect, that's where Brahma can create this world. My world is created by my mind, which wants to constantly get satisfaction from the world outside. That's where I make progress in doing something. I want to go to college, get a degree, make money, all of the why. I want to get something out of this world to satisfy my own mental desires. So Bhagwan said, Anantascha Asminagana. Out of all these mental serpents, I am that Adishesha, which cannot be destroyed. Which will be there. After the dissolution of this universe, Adi Shisha will remain. The thinking entity will still be there in dormant state to create everything again when Rama's new day starts. So therefore I am that Ananta, infinite. Varuno Yadasamaham. Among the water deities. Yadasas are the water deities. Obviously our Vedic receives is deified natural phenomena. Anything which is happening in my world is an effect and has to have cause. The cause has to have efficient cause and a material cause. So that which has the knowledge to create this phenomenon is the deity of that phenomenon. So in my world there is fire, there is water, there is air. So there has to be a deity of this phenomena. So, in our scriptures, there are 33 deities. We sometimes have 33 crores of devatas, but actually 33. 11 each 11 for the heaven, 11 for the atmospheric phenomena, and 11 for the terrestrial, the earth. So, out of which, the deity of water is Varuna. So, there are water deities. Flowing water, stagnant water, water in a stream, water in the rain. But Varuna is the lord of ocean. He is the lord of the big body of water, which is ocean. Among those water deities am Varuna, the lord of ocean. The Trunam Aryamam among the ancestors am Arima. There are ancestors in Puranas that dates back to how their creation started chief among the Aryama. From the beginning where my existence started at one point I can also consider my mind and intellect and my pitrus. I had my mind and intellect in my last birth. If we take the reincarnation theory at its face value, that what died was my body in last birth. Now that pitru has come as me in this body when this body will be of no use, it will move on to the next. So my ancestor is the very first thought which I thought and became a Jivatma. As Swamiji says, the first thought is just a thought, when a second thought was thought, I became a mind. Once the two became two thoughts, it created velocity of creating a third thought and then a fourth thought and a fifth thought then it became an entity. That's where my ancestry is, who I am today. All the thoughts which I thought in this life and all my previous lives made me who I am today. Among those ancestors I am Aryama. I am the primordial ancestor of all the beings. Yamaha, some Yamatam Aham, among the reckoners, who keep account. In our life also we keep account. Last time we went to such and such wedding, what kind of gift they give. You know, At least I remember in my family, my mother will take out a record. Fifteen years ago we went to his daughter's wedding, or they came to her wedding, and accordingly we run our Vyavahar. In our Vyavahar there is always some kind of accounting going on, no matter what I do. I'm in a business, I'm an employee, whatever it is, in every relationship, there is some kind of a reckoning. You didn't do this for me, how can you expect me to do this? Among the reckoners, there is reckoning in my life. But what is the biggest reckoner? Yamaha, that constantly counting my breaths, how many breaths I am allowed and how many I have already exhausted. Panditji says, your life is not counted in years or days. It's kind of how many breaths you take. That's why Panditji said, take a deep breath. Longer the breath, longer the time you leave. <laughs> Simple mathematics. If I only allow 10 breaths, and if I take it in one second, 10, then I'm on one second. But if I have one minute each, I'll be 10 minutes. Whatever it is, something is keeping account of what I have done so far, how much I can do, then I'm gone. That Yamaha, Lord of death. When my time is up, when I have exhausted the time I am given here, then Yama, the Lord of death, will come and say, okay, time to go. Therefore he said, among the reckoners, I am Yama, I am the Lord of death. Death is very integral part of my life. What I call life is a span between the two hypothetical events which I call birth." other than I call death. Prahlad Chasmi Daityanam. Another Puranic story. One good thing about this chapter is that those of us who are not in Puranas give a flavor of our Puranas. You know. of, everyone knows prala's story. Hiranyakashipu was one of the Daitya king. Diti's sons are Daityas. Aditi's sons are Adityas. as per our Puranas. You Kasyaparasi know. has two wives. One was aditi one was Diti so they are they are basically cousins you know, or step brothers you know but the hiranyakashipu in that lineage he said only worship the state not the almighty you only worship me the king don't worry about the rest of it america first <laughs> not the global order so hiranyakashipu said don't worry about vishnu He'll worship me so he's Subjects were only worshipping Hiranyakashipu. But Prahlad had the reason of Vishnu because his mother taught him about the glory of the Lord while he was in his mother's womb. So here is the prenatal education, how important it is. We have several stories about prenatal education in Vapurana. We all know now scientifically that that's true. So Prahlad had this Sanskara, that Almighty who is controlling this is the Lord, not my Father. So therefore Bhagavan said, among all the Daityas, I am Prahalada. He was the best. Kalaha, Kalayatam, Aham. Among, again, the reckoners, I am time. Time defines everything for us. How long I live, how long I work. Among all the reckoners, I am time. Mruganam, Cham, Rugendro, Aham. Very simple. Now coming back to his terrestrial world, among the animals I am a lion. Vainateya chapakshinam, and among the birds I am Garuda. Vainateya, Garuda. One of the Apowalonic stories, the Garuda is visualized as a half man and half bird. You can tell that our rishis or our pandits who are writing this story have some concept about how the life evolves and how life is taking place in this world. So they have this, this notion about half man, half lion, half man, half bird. But the Garuda, in a simple term, you can say eagle. Among all the birds, I am eagle. It is the most majestic bird. Pavanaha, Pavatam, Asmi. Among the purifier, I am wind. If there is no wind, air will start smelling stale. If you close this room for a long time, it will smell musty and open the window as quickly as possible. So fresh air is the purifier. Ramaha, Sastra Bharatamaham, among the weapon wielders or holders, I am Rama. and I, Valmiki wrote that how great he was. Why he was great? Not because he was the greatest warrior, but he knew where to use his strength. And where not to use his strength so he only fought ravana after all the efforts to get sita back also when vibhishan came to him because he was pious give the kingdom back to him he is also model father model son model king except model husband right mm-hmm. from the standard of his days He did what was most appropriate. Because in his days, you have to see your duty in a hierarchy of what comes first. So I am wearing too many hats. I am a king, I am a father, I am a son, I am a brother. In a hierarchy of your duties, you have to pick the highest one first and then go down to the next one. If there is a conflict between my two roles, you have to pick the one which serves the most people for the greater good. If you have to sacrifice something at a personal level for the greater good, then that's my duty. So my duty as a king to give a role model to the society was much greater than my role as a husband. Therefore, Rama has to do what he did. So, therefore, he says, among those kings, the weapon builders are basically all the kshatriyas who were fighting wars and ruling. Among them, I'm a Rama. Because nobody can come close to him in terms of setting the order. Somebody was telling me recently people consider now Narendra Modi is Ramaraja. <laughs> That's a gold standard for any governance, Ramaraja. Therefore, I say, I'm a Rama among all the kings. Jashana Makarachasmi, among the fishes, I am crocodile. Makara in Gujarati, Magar is crocodile. Makar is also considered the vehicle for Varuna, the lord of ocean riding on crocodile. Crocodile also considered greater than any other fish because it can live on land as well as in water. Highly evolved water creature. So therefore he said among all the water creatures, I'm am Makara, I'm am crocodile. Struta Sam Asmi Janavi, among all the flowing waters, I'm Janavi, Ganga. Janavi is called Jan, because Dishi Janu drank Ganga and then released after many people came and pleaded him that please, please release Ganga. Well, Aryan culture started from northwest and then an expansion into east when they found Ganges. Ours is a river-based culture, so all rivers are sacred because our lives were dependent on rivers. So Ganges is sacred because it supported this large mass of people on its banks. But here, philosophical import is Ganges represent this perennial knowledge which is flowing from Himalaya down to the plains. Those rishis meditating on Himalayas, the knowledge what they acquire during their meditations. If the Rishi never teach anybody anything, then that knowledge of no value. It's a personal knowledge. I know something, I'll never tell anybody and go away. Nobody will ever know. Only when I give the knowledge out, then it becomes a janvi a Ganga. Then there is a franchise concept. Give it to one person, one person gives to the other person. That's what the study group Study group is Swamiji's first franchising concept. So janvi represent that perennial knowledge. And Swamiji points out that it says it came out of Janu's ears because this knowledge is not something he acquired from his intellect. He heard in his meditation, what the truth is all about. And then he gave it out to the students. So only once that experience becomes your own, then only we can interpret this truth in context in our own era. So therefore Bhagavan says, among all the flowing waters, among all the knowledge is Janami. We'll stop right here. Om Sarve Bhavantu Sukhina Sarve Santu Niramayah Sarve Bhadraani Pashyantu Ma Kaschiddukha Bhagbhaved Om Shantihi Shantihi Shanti Hari Om Shri Gurubhyo Namaha Hari Om